0: Welcome to uh, Bet Parks Presents, episode 35. Bet Parks Presents, Stick to Hockey Live. Hope everybody had a great holiday. Hope it was a great one with family, friends, and kids, and grandparents, and you name it. Um, and you got everything you wanted and you gave everything you could. So congrats. You made it through Christmas. It is a chaotic period for sure. And we got uh, some interesting stuff to talk about this week in hockey. Now, Flyers won't return until Thursday. Excuse me. They'll be in San Jose at 10:30 puck drop there Thursday night, the 29th. But uh some interesting conversation we'll have. Anthony DeMarco will join us in just a second. But let me tell you about Bet Parks because there's a ton going on. I was watching hoops yesterday, watched the Sixers, watched a little uh basketball, watched a little football, watched Green Bay come back in that game, and you know, you get all your action on the Bet Parks app, whether you want college or pro football, so the Paul was playing yesterday. Uh, You can in college hoops. If you want to get college or pro hoops, you can do that. You can get uh, bowl games. You can get NFL. You can bet on hockey. You name it. If it's going on in the world of sport and more, you can get your action on it with the Bet Parks app. It's the greatest mobile casino and sports book. And it's everything you've wanted in a mobile casino and sports book. And it's right in the palm of your hand and it carries with you. It's right in your pocket. It's your phone. So it's easy to sign up, fun to use, faster to win than ever before. And right now, all bet parts users, this is a great time to get in on the action. Or if you haven't been in on the action, just get back in on the action. Because new and existing users, if you use the promo code Jason750, that'll get you a risk-free bet up to $750. Again, Jason 750. Terms and conditions do apply. That's for <coughs> new and existing users. Excuse me, I need a little drink, a little something to lube up the pipe. Total. Better. So download the Bet Parks app today. Uh, you do need to be over 21 and present in President Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. Also, uh now that the holiday's over, still a great time to head down to uh Subaru on Route 202 in Glen Mills. Beautiful dealership. And still time for the Subaru Share the Love event, which goes on to January 3rd, where they will donate $250 for every new Subaru sold to one of five charities, which you get to pick either the ASPCA, Make a Wish, Meals on Wheels, Nations Parks or Conquerville Subaru's Hometown Cherry, which is Namor's Children's Hospital of Delaware. December and early January, great time to visit the beautiful showroom of Route 202 in Glen Mills. Still the holiday season. Check out that certified pre-owned inventory and a list of incoming Subaru vehicles. And they're more than a dealership, a great, great uh, service department as well with a free car wash with every visit. So visit ConquervilleSubaru.com and check out that showroom on Route 202 in Glen Mills. And remember, Conquerville cares. Let's head to the man right now, north of the border, see what the weather's doing up there. And also
1: from the period.com, it is Anthony DeMarco. What's going on, Ant? Not much, man. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I hope yep. uh, your stomach's doing okay today. Um, <laughs> it was like an all out assault on my uh, digestive system this week. But I mean, uh, actually, doing it from my dad's place because uh, Christmas tradition. I stay over here on Christmas, and that's why you see. My old banner up on the doorway has this my old bedroom. So yeah, we have a different look today. Yeah, you got a little new background and uh, congratulations
0: on uh, your pending numptuals. Uh, I know that you got gauged over the holiday as well. So uh, somebody's going to make an honest man out of you.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess it's about that time, right? But uh, yeah, <laughs> a best friend, one of my best friends uh, told me that, you know, man, you'd be such a fucking hero if you did over the holidays. Yeah. So I did over the holidays. And uh, so far, there's it's all systems go. So yeah, I am. a am an engaged man now. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how that talk to me in 10 years, buddy, you got to tell yeah. you got to give me a good uh, advice on what to expect down the road.
0: Oh, man. A lot of twists, a lot of turns, and get your own studio with your own bed in it. <laughs> um, I've been married. I've been with my wife since 99, I think so. Um, so since I was five. Yeah. We haven't been married that long. We got married in 06, but or are five, oh. sorry. Oof. <laughs> screwed that up. Um, but anyway, um, some interesting avenues of conversation, At You know, the Flyers mm-hmm. have returned Thursday, and you and I talked about it and I know you wrote an article about it on the fourth period.com about clarity on the horizon, but, you know, while there are some, still some questions, we're getting some, starting to get some, you know, pertinent data on what some guys are, what some guys aren't. Some guys still have a ton to prove. And there's a lot more time because some guys have taken a couple steps forward. we got to see if they take steps backwards. Um, but what's been the biggest, you know, I talked to Bill about this for today's Flyers Daily. What's been the biggest Storyline so far this season to you? I mean, is it the Hayes-Tortorella drama? Is it the resurgence of TK? Is it Carter Hart? What's been the biggest
1: story in your eyes? To be honest, like, those are all valid storylines. Like, TK really emerging as a 65, 70-point player if he holds this pace, which I was wrong about. The whole stuff with Kevin Hayes, which is coming to a head after a lot of people thought that he could have maybe been the next captain of this team, Carter Hart having a rebounding year after two subpar years. And a lot of people now considering him the best Canadian goalie in the NHL. Although it's not like he has a ton of competition to compete against, but honestly, I think it's because it seems like this team is finally starting to accept what it is. And I heard Torch talk about it with you on flyers daily, that now it's the first time that we've heard members of this organization Torch specifically acknowledge that this team is rebuilding. Now, mm-hmm rebuilding could mean a lot of things, right? Like a lot of people will automatically default to, well, you know, if they're not blowing it up like Arizona or Chicago and only going to be good in five years from now, it's not a rebuild. I don't think that's completely true. That's certainly a, a type of rebuild, but you could also have a rebuild, like let's say the Los Angeles Kings did, where they took a step back for two, three years, and then they came back with some existing veterans on their roster with an injection of youth. And I think that's what we're saying with the Flyers here. I think this is a team that doesn't have to tear completely down to the studs because you have a good of a lot of good young players here. Like, I remember someone from the Flyers told me uh, about a week and a half ago that they still believe that that defensive group is young. You know, with the exception of Justin Braun, who we know probably won't be here in three months' time, and Nick Sealer, who really is nothing more than a seventh defenseman, all these guys are in their mid, some later 20s. Like, I think their oldest defenseman, not counting Sealer and Justin Braun, is Linan, who's 28 years old. So I think that you have a, good of, a lot of good young core players here where you don't have to completely strip it down and you don't have to go the full five-year rebuild. But I think all in all, the biggest storyline has been that they're at least acknowledging that this isn't a team that could you know, turn it around with a couple of free agent acquisitions. This is on some level a rebuilding team. Yeah, it's a good point. I didn't even think about that. You know, Torts
0: mentioned that and I put it out at Curtis as a, a promo and then the full length interview, I interviewed him on Friday. And, you know, he said, you know, we're rebuilding here. And, you know, maybe that is the, the biggest storyline is that admission, because it's, I think we all kind of, even though they didn't use the word, we could see the way Torts was handling things and, you know, his messaging. And it seems pretty, in a, in a lot of ways, it seems pretty obvious that what they're doing, you know, playing young players. He basically said, I know Charlie, I think he asked the question, are you going to basically scratch either Justin Brown or Nick Sealer every game? So you can have all of the young defensemen in the lineup for the most part. And he's basically said, yes. So, you know, how we see that going forward um, will be fascinating. You know, TK is an interesting one too, because, you know, he's been so good. And, you know, they scored two. What was it? The game on, uh, where they had the two Friday the Carolina game. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the two shorties back to back with Lawton and TK and those two together on the, on the PK has been kind of a revelation this year because both players, you know, power plays are meant to go East West nowadays to get everybody kind of shifting sides including the goaltender. And both of those have guys have good sticks. And if they knock down a pass, it could go the other way. So you've got an offensive threat on the PK for the first time and Bill brought up since, since Mike Richards.
1: Yeah, and, you know, TK, I remember when he first broke into the league in 2016-17 under Hack, he was being used a bit on the penalty kill, but that was quickly short-lived. And we haven't seen him there since. And you've seen John Tortorella really kind of overhaul that penalty kill. Like, obviously, we know him and Kevin Hayes aren't, Exactly. Foxhole guys, at least on the ice perspective and Kevin Hayes, who was brought in to be one of the main PK guys has barely been on the PK this year. And you give that responsibility to Travis Konechny. And I think Travis Konechny is proving that he had a lot more to give. And I'll eat my words on that. I was a guy after seeing what he did in the 2020 playoff bubble. And after the last two regular seasons saying, look, this guy's a solid 60 or 50 to 55 point second line winger, but he's nothing special. And I'm not going to sit here and say he's Mitch Marner or whatever, but I think he's proving that he is a first-line winger and he could offer up more than just five-on-five scoring. And look, five-on-five scoring is very important, but I think to be an impactful player, you have to have that effect on special teams. Like, we always talk about it, let's say, like a guy like Danny Briere. Like how much he meant to that power play back in the, let's say, mid to late 2000s and early 2010s. So I really think that the way that PK has added more versatility into his game and is now he's on pace for what? Like 76, 77 points or whatever it is. And it at least has checked off a box that like, okay you have a top line player going forward. You have maybe the third guy. And I still will say that Travis Konechny probably should be your at least second best player on your first line, maybe even third best player on a first line. But at least you have one box check because I think going into this season, there is a valid argument to be made that they didn't have one first line player on the team. A lot of people said Connectney was a second liner. Uh, Hayes was a second liner or maybe even Atkinson, third liner. Yeah. Atkinson, Farabee has been underwhelming, although he's starting to turn it around here. But look, TK has meant a lot to this team. He's emerging as a leader. You have brought it up, Torres brought it up, I believe in a press availability uh, late last week, that how he, much he's going to mean to this team when they are ready to compete, which I think is kind of a tip of the hand that maybe they're planning to hang on to Travis Konechny. And uh, it's been really nice to see and good for him because he's certainly a guy that they desperately needed to work out. And he's certainly doing that so far.
0: Kind of what you were talking about before too, you know, the, the notion of, the rebuild, not all rebuilds are created equal, right? They're all different, because they all have different elements of where they're starting. And, you know, some people look at a rebuild, and they say, it's only a true rebuild, if you tear it down, if you sell off all assets, and start from scratch, but, you know, they're not all created equal. And the timeline on them is, it's different for all of them. Yeah, you have your buffaloes, and you have your Arizona's where it seems like it's in perpetuity, but the thing about it is this is, you know, to put a timeline on a rebuild is almost foolish because it can change at the drop of a dime. One, one bout of lottery luck changes your timeline. One bad injury changes your timeline. You know what I mean? On a rebuild. So you can sit there like I, I got this guy that keeps just fucking tweeting me. They should trade connect me. He's never been at 30 scorer. His value is the highest right now, blah, blah, blah. And they should trade them because they're not going to be good for 8 to 10 years.
1: Okay, now, well, if that's
0: the prospect of a rebuild, then then I'm going to be in the ground. But that's <laughs> ridiculous. You know what I mean? And this notion that they won't be good for 8 to 10 years is ridiculous. Things change really quick in the NHL. And, yeah. you know, look, could they not be good for 8 to 10 years? Sure. Buffalo's done it. But is that because Buffalo
1: has just screwed this up? In some ways, yeah. Look, I mean, I think a lot of people equate those 8 to 10 year rebuilds with what we saw from, let's say, the Penguins and the Bruins in the early 2000s. But you have to realize that those rebuilds started pre-cap era. And in the pre-cap era, you're damn right, they could have taken 8 to 10 years. But because of the salary cap, because of the parity that the NHL has insisted upon the NH- well, the, among the teams, I don't think it's necessary. Yes, it could happen. But, you know, I've seen a lot of people float this idea out about like, would getting a Bedard or to a lesser extent, Fantilli solve all of the Flyers' problems? And, and no, it wasn't. It wouldn't. accelerates the process. It accelerates the process because I, I remember I was texting with you a bit about like, if they had, let's say, for what, by some grace of God, you know, they win the first overall pick and they get Connor Bedard. And we were just kind of throwing out like mock lineups for next year. This isn't a cup team. But there's a case to be made that this would be a playoff team if you just drop Connor Bedard on this roster and you get back a healthy Sean Couture. Big if, but you're seeing what Cutter Goetz is doing. I think he's going to be in the NHL next year. I could be wrong, but I think that's where it's going to go because I just don't see how he would benefit from going back to college another year after this. And if you bring in a Connor Bedard and then you are able to push everyone down a peg, because... That's another thing about this is, like, I had someone say, well, look, the, the Oilers have uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl, and they can't bring them to, like, being, like, a true cup contender. But I don't think the Oilers have depth. Like, I looked at this stat, and this was as of Wednesday, so it's for sure changed since. But the different, like, their top four forwards, and we're not counting Evander Kane because he's been injured for the last month or so. hmm Between their fourth-highest-scoring forward in Zach Hyman and their 5th highest going forward, I believe it was Ryan McLeod, there's a 27-point difference. Wow. The Oilers have no depth scoring behind their top four and when Kane is healthy, top five forwards. If the Flyers got two high-end talent players and you're able to push Owen Tippett down a peg, Joel Faraby down a peg, if he's still here, Kevin Hayes down a peg, and on and on you go... I think the Flyers would have a pretty good depth scoring up front. It's just that this team has absolutely no high end talent to speak of. Now you're starting to see Travis connectney at least pr- produce like a top line player. But even at that, is he a high end talent player? You know, I wouldn't consider that. I would just say he's a first line player. Yeah. But if you add in a Connor Bedard and Cutter Goetzier, not to say it would happen overnight, but a lot of things change. Yeah, and and things accelerate
0: dramatically i mean look at the penguins you know crosby's first year they were not a great team but then as they all those guys at the same time came up and you're talking about mock and crosby and Latang and flurry that became your core and by 09, well oh eight they lose in the cup final and oh nine they win so i mean it, it happened really and let's be honest things were really ugly in Pittsburgh. So it's not necessarily that they were bad. It's that they they were bad at the right time too, because they got some good players along the
1: way. And I heard your conversation with Alex Apple. You're very insightful conversation. He's a very smart guy. I think I sold him short after all these years, but really, really smart guy. And he said something I liked is that, and maybe you could correct me if I'm off on this, but he said something along the way is that over the, for the foreseeable future, I would not worry about the Flyers like second, third and fourth lines and like second pair and third pair. Like he thinks that they have enough talent throughout their system where they don't have to worry about that part of their lineup. Yeah, it's the cupboards full in those areas of like NHL caliber players. Mm -hmm. So if you drop and let's say Goetia ends up being a 75 point player like TK's caliber. And then by some grace of God, you win the first overall pick and you draw Connor Bedard on this roster. It changes a lot because, like Alex really kind of laid out there and in a very good way, kind of put it in layman's terms, is that this team has a lot of talent throughout its its organization, not on the roster, but a lot of talent that has that middle of the road NHL ceiling type of caliber players. You just need that high end talent because you could have all the second and third liners you want. But if you don't have those superstars, you're not going to win jack shit. And you know, I uh, think. Part, yeah. And goaltending. But I even think that goaltending, they're well set up too. Like, didn't you guys yeah. talk about how they're pretty well set up in oh, the yeah. goaltending? Yeah. I mean, they
0: also have that. I mean, you have it from
1: obviously at the NHL level with heart.
0: Then whether you have, you know, we have to still figure out what Sandstrom is, but. Erson, and we just have to find what he is, but Kolosov is developing well in Russia. He's a few years away, um, but like his numbers, you know, as a 20-year-old are basically what Sorokin's and Shostokin's were at that age in the K. Yeah,
1: and then if you could ever sort out what's going on with Fedotov, obviously there's a lot more yeah. pressing issues in his life than hockey, but I think they're well set up everywhere except for that high-end talent. And you can make that case on the back end too, like, I mean, I don't think they have a true franchise defenseman anywhere in their organization. Like, I think, you know, a lot of people have said, like, trade Provorov, And I wouldn't even be completely against that. I could tell you that they are not actively looking to shop him. But obviously, like almost every player there, he's not untouchable. But I think it was Russ Cohen who said it very well with you, is that, like it or not, if you move Provorov, you don't have a better option to replace him. Like, if you thrust Sanheim or Cam York into that number one role, like, I would argue you'd probably get worse results and you're killing your depth on your back end. Because the way that their back end is constructed right now, and obviously it's kind of hard to evaluate their back end in a real way because they're defending so damn much that they're obviously cracking more than, let's say, they would if they were even on a middle of the road team. But I think the way their back end is constructed right now is the do-it-by-committee approach because they don't have that true stud like a McCar or a Hedman or a Heiskanen.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you trade Roth, you're looking for, basically, you're looking for a guy like ProRof or better. Yeah. That's what you're looking for. And I think we have to remember what Roth was with Niskanen. So would it be more prudent to trade him or would it be more prudent
1: to find the right partner for him? Well, the, the partner thing obviously would be the best. It's just it seems like this is like an endless quest. Like they've been trying for years. And Ryan Ellis, I think if he had stayed healthy, would have been the best course of action. I think obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but they probably should have gone all in on a guy like Dougie Hamilton just mm-hmm. to try and settle that once and for all. But, didn't have that money, though, at the time. Yeah. The t- and The you, timing just didn't work. Yeah, and you you just and the right shot defensemen, they're so routinely overpaid. And even left shot defensemen, like, you know, we talk about how bad the Rasmus was the line in contract is in a vacuum. And look, he's not a $5 million defenseman in a vacuum. But then you look at gang $4 million. Ben Sherratt got four by 4.75 from a guy that a lot of people consider to be the best general manager in the NHL, and Steve Eiserman. Just defensemen and try, in general get overpaid when they get the free age. I mean, look at, like, Nurse. <laughs> Seth Jones. Yeah. And and that's the problem is that you're, you're going out and trying to get a commodity that's so highly sought after, especially a right shot guy. Like, there's just simply not enough right shot defense in the NHL, and you're consistently overpaying via trade. You're, you're overpaying via – you know, contract specific, uh, Ross is a complete example of that where you overpay to get him in a trade. And then you probably overpay to keep him. But then you look at what the cost of replacement is and you're just like, well, what are we going to end up doing? Like if you want to go out and get a true top four defenseman, preferably a right shot, what are you going to pay for this guy? And you see what happens. Like, you look at a guy, let's say, like Scott Mayfield of the New York Islanders, a yeah. pending UFA, like that guy might is probably going to get like five by five, if not more. And mm-hmm. that's just the landscape of the NHL. And that's why they always say draft and develop. And I don't know if Ronnie Adder is that guy, probably asking too much, but yeah. he's kind of a high-offend defenseman, is he not? Yeah. I Yeah, I'm not ready to put
0: those kind of eggs in that basket. I mean, the thing is, too, is when the cap starts going up, You know what I mean? I mean, when this thing starts escalating and you see the numbers, it's going to be like fucking sticker shock. You're going to freak out and be like, holy cow. Like that dude got that kind of dough, you know? But eventually once all this escrow is paid back from the COVID years, that cap's going to start going up steeply. And it's going to be crazy what guys are getting. Because it's a market like Sandheim on the open market would have got good money because he was the top guy. Yeah. Like, you know, the market was set with the deal in Calgary. Yeah. And then, so you look at it and you go, okay, what would he have gotten? Well, he would have gotten more than he's worth because he's the only one, he's the top of his field. So I think that's why Hayes got paid what he got paid. I think that's why JVR got kind of got paid what he got paid too. I mean, JVR wasn't the top that year, but he was the number two
1: guy. Yeah. Power play, goal scoring kind of guy. He that was the panarin no it was the year before panarin it was 2018 they signed jvr but kevin hayes is a good example and i yep. think i i spoke about this on my other podcast brotherly pod where i said you have to differentiate like a bad contract in a vacuum and what's par for the course on the open market yeah when kevin hayes based got, on your needs too based on your needs because when kevin hayes got signed that was before covid the summer of 2019 the cap was expected to skyrocket. Like if it wasn't for COVID, the cap's probably at 90 million right now, if not maybe a bit more. And Matt Duchesne got eight by seven, seven years at $8 million. And I could tell you living here in Montreal, they were offering him nine and a half, but he took yeah. less because of the no tax date in Nashville. So Kevin Hayes at that time, with the projection of the cap going up $7 million, was just like, okay, it's an overpay. But with the cap going up, it's going to age nice. Mm-hmm. Now... The fact that the cap has gone up two million dollars since they signed that contract, you're probably saying, "Yeah, it's not great." And I would say, like Kevin Hayes is what a five to five and a half million dollar player. If well, yeah, were... the other thing too is is that Nolan Patrick couldn't go. Exactly, they were you know? they were stuck. They yep. absolutely had to sign him. And look, the thing is, is that every time you sign a player worth any kind of value in free agency, you're going to overpay. It's yeah. like the James Van Reemsick thing. And I've been guilty of this too, where I say, oh, he's not a $7 million player. You know, they're paying him too much, which he isn't a $7 million player. But if you go in free agency and you want to sign a top six winger who could put, give you 25 goals with his eyes closed, you're going to have to pay a decent contract. And I think the fact that they only got him five years was pretty good on Ron Hextall's part. So that's just the fact of the matter. It's like, I always use this example, is that... When they signed Danny Breer, they gave him six and a half million dollars a year. If you prorated that to what the cap is now, Danny Breer would have been being paid ten and a half million dollars. Yeah, was he ever 100. a ten and exactly? So, were we ever complaining that they signed Danny Breer to that eight year contract? Yeah, then yeah, you're right. If you, that, if, you go, if you go by percentage of the cap. Yeah. yeah and i think that's just what it is like when if you want to go get that type of player in free agency you are going to pay out through your nose it's just the fact of the matter and like obviously Breer's a special situation because he was arguably you have much more history knowledge than me but you could argue he was the best free agent signing this team has ever had i think that may be fair to say but I remember, I remember when he wasn't pr- like maybe in his third year oh nine ten, 9 10 where he only scored 53 points. People were screaming and crying and, oh, he's not worth the money. But then he
0: had the great playoff run.
1: Exactly. And then I think he had his best year in 2010-11. I think he had mm-hmm. like 76 points or whatever it is. So it's just to say that you want an impact player or you want, just want a value player. We saw it with Nick Deloria. He had value across several teams in the NHL, and the Flyers gave him a contract that in a vacuum, he's not worth. But I think the valid argument here is that are you in a position to be overpaying these players? Yeah, I think that's a valid point. But this whole thing of free agency and getting mad and up in arms that you're overpaying, that's just the landscape of the NHL.
0: That's free agency in a nutshell. That's what free agency is. You will overpay. It's why draft and develop is – you know, the way to build the core. You can't build a core through acquisitions and free agency because you overpay and you're going to be upside down and you won't be able to build a team. And even, you know, draft and develop, like, I mean, how much development did Edmonton have to do with Drysidle and McDavid? Probably not a ton because they're insane, but um, these guys, they just can't build a team there. It's nuts. And good stuff, man. Um, We're going to keep them a little short this week. Uh, That's all it is. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we're waiting for the games to restart here. So um, check out and stuff on the fourth period.com. Give him a follow on Twitter at a DeMarco 25 and we'll talk next week in 2023, brother. Yeah, man. Happy new year. Take it easy. Holy shit. It's going to be 2023. <laughs> That's nuts. There he is. Anthony DeMarco on bet parks presents stick to hockey live. Yeah. I can't believe next week's going to be 2023. Like what happened? I remember Y2K feels like it was not that long ago. 23 years ago. It's insane. Uh, The all new bed parks casino and Sportsbook app. It is now live. And you can take it from me. It's a fantastic app that you can just buzz around with right here with your phone. Take it wherever you go on the move. It's the greatest mobile casino and sports book out there. And uh, you need to download it because it is easy to use, fast to use, faster to win than ever before. And you can get in all kinds of different action, whether it's same game parlays, live in game betting, player performances, props, parlays, teasers. Straight bets, futures on college and pro hoops, hockey, uh, World Juniors, football, bowls, and of course, pro and anything else. It's all out there for you. So check it out. Get the Bet Parks app. Um, and right now, Bet Parks users, all Bet Parks users, can use the promo code Jason seven five zero. That'll get you the risk free bet up to seven hundred and fifty dollars. Terms and conditions do apply. So download the Bet Parks app today. You need to be over twenty one and present in President, Pennsylvania. New Jersey gambling problem, call 1-800, uh, 1-800-GAMBLER. Also, visit uh, my friends at Conquerville Subaru. Share the love event going on through January 3rd, where they'll donate $250 for every new car sold to one of five charities, either the ASP, ASPCA, Meals on Wheels, Make-A-Wish, Nation's Park, so they're Conquerville uh, Subaru's hometown charity, the Nimworth Children's Hospital of Delaware. And you can visit the beautiful showroom over Route 202 in Glen Mills. Check out the certified pre-owned inventory, a list of incoming Subaru vehicles, and more than a dealership. Great service department, free car wash with every visit. So do yourself a favor. Visit conquervillesubaru.com All the details are there. And uh, also check out the showroom again on Route 202 and Glenn Mills. And remember that Concordville cares. All right, Wednesday, we'll be back with another brand new episode, episode 36. Anthony Sanfilippo from Crossing Broad. Snow so the goalie and the Crossing Broadcast will join us on wednesday's episode and uh, we'll continue the hockey talk this week so everybody enjoy your monday we'll talk to you coming up next uh this wednesday uh for another brand new edition of event parks presents stick the hockey <laughs>